When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Three, two, one. Hey, everybody, it's Dan, and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, and I are talking a little Baker Mayfield. Why not? He spoke today at his camp in Oklahoma, and we discuss if there's any possibility you could start for the Browns and why that possibility is so incredibly small. We get into that, and then at the very end, stick around. There's a little bit of a, an impromptu FAQ about the disciplinary process uh, around Deshaun Watson. So that's coming up here on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Now, if you're a subscriber to these podcasts, and you should be, make sure you do get subscribed. Uh, it's going to be a little uh, spotty as far as when these go up and the length of the podcast. Is we're sort of uh, on pins and needles waiting for news to break about Deshaun Watson's suspension. So we're going to continue to record and post every day. But the times they go up, like you saw yesterday and today, may be a little different. So just make sure you're subscribed. Look for look for Orange and Brown Talk podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and just hit that subscribe button. And that way it'll just show up on your phone as soon as I hit publish. Okay, here we go. This is our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, and we're going to talk a little bit of Baker Mayfield today as we await news on what will happen with Deshaun Watson as we're recording this. Uh, Watson is going through his disciplinary hearing. Uh, it's expected to last into Wednesday, and then we just sort of play the waiting game. We could get news this week, next week. Who knows? We're sort of on pins and needles for this Deshaun Watson news, and it's important. It affects not just the Browns, but really the entire league. So everybody's sort of waiting this out. So until then, we're going to talk a little bit of Baker Mayfield because today Baker Mayfield spoke to the media at his youth camp for the first time. This is, I think, the first time he's talked since that podcast. I don't recall mm-hmm. him doing like any real media availability at his statue unveiling. Um, so this is really the first we've heard from Baker and maybe the most definitive we've heard from him about the situation with the Browns. So I'm going to read the quote, and this comes from uh, Carrie Carrie Murdoch of Sooner Scoop. Uh, And of course, you can find all of this info in Mary Kay's story on Cleveland.com slash Browns. Baker said, quote, when he was asked if he thinks he could start for the Browns, if Deshaun Watson is suspended for the year, quote, no, I think for that to happen, there would have to be some reaching out. But we're ready to move on, I think, on both sides. And then at another point, he said, I think it's been pretty obvious the mutual decision on both sides is to move on. And he says he's thankful for his four years in Cleveland, uh, says all the nice things about Cleveland after that. Mary Kay, when you saw this, what was your initial thought? Well, you know what? It didn't really sound to me or seem to me like uh, he's leaving this enormous door open to be able to come back and play for the Browns. I think he's trying to kind of tread a little bit lightly, but still say what we all know, that both sides are ready to move on. Both sides need this to be over. He's waiting for word that he's been traded somewhere, and then he's going to have a new playbook in his hands and maybe even start against the Cleveland Browns on opening day in Carolina on September 11th. But as far as the reaching out part, if you really read that quote over again, he didn't say who he said, thought 
the reaching out was going to have to be done by. It was interpreted as that the Browns were going to have to come reaching out to him, but he didn't really say that, did he? I mean, it says, do you have it right up there, Dan? Can you read it one more time? He says, no, I think for that to happen, there would have to be some reaching out. Right. But we're ready to move on, I think, on both sides. Right. So, I mean, we assume that he's saying the Browns would have to sort of reach out to me and talk to me about that. Not that he's got much say in the matter, but I mean, maybe he'd have to do the reaching out himself. So, um, so yeah, I didn't view this as, hey, let's put our heads together and see if we can't get <laughs> something going here. Ashley, what were your thoughts when when you saw these quotes start to trickle out? Yeah, to kind of build off of what Mary Kay said, like my thoughts were the way it was phrased was like, never say never like type of thing. Like he didn't, he didn't leave a huge opening there, obviously, and clearly said he's like ready to move on. But at the same time, I'm like, the door might be cracked a little bit. And I just wonder like what it would take for that reaching out to actually occur. And, you know, a big topic of conversation um, on, on social media and things like that has been if hypothetically Deshaun Watson is serving out a year long suspension and the Browns can't really easily execute a trade involving Baker Mayfield, then would it be best? And, and we've said it on this podcast in, in theory, besides all the, the feelings around it, it might be best for both parties if Baker Mayfield was then your answer. Um, so I, I don't know what it would take to make that happen. But my first thought was, huh, like the door wasn't completely slammed shut. Like Baker was very, um, I don't know, like res- respectful is like the right word necessarily with the right connotation. But he he didn't totally slam it shut for me, which I did think was, you know, a modicum of, of interestingness from him. So, so I, I'm kind of with you on that, Ashley. Like it wasn't like I didn't hear the quote and think, oh, man, there's a real chance Baker could start. But I do think there was like just a little tiny sliver of like, you know, Mary Kay, you said it. I can't remember if it was this week or last week on one of the podcasts that like crazier things have happened in this league. Crazier like, oh, that'll never happen. Things have actually happened. I mean, mm-hmm. there's like it might be like point zero 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 one percent, but there is some tiny, tiny scenario where Baker Mayfield could start again for the Browns, although as as unrealistic as it is. Yeah, I mean, let's just establish it's unrealistic. It's highly unlikely. He doesn't want it to happen. They don't want it to happen. Uh, I do think he probably will be traded before training camp, and this will be a moot point uh, over the next couple of weeks, probably. Um, So I just don't think it's going to be that much of an issue. But Uh, It does, you know, this doesn't change anything. What Baker said doesn't change anything. The possibility has always existed that if they don't execute the trade and that doesn't work out right, he could still land on the roster and be considered quality depth. Does that mean that he'll actually play? You never know. I mean, at this point, again, highly unlikely, but what if they decide, okay, Baker's on the roster and Jacoby Brissett is the starter and he gets injured. So you can never say never, can never say never. We never thought Josh Gordon was showing back up here. Uh, there was a never with Derek Anderson once and he came back here. You know, I mean, crazy things do happen, but I really don't think that this interview means that, oh, geez, Baker's kind of considering maybe he'll play <laughs> for the Browns again. And they're going to be so excited about that. No, he doesn't have say in the matter. He has no leverage here. He can't decide what he wants to do if they decide that he's going to play games then he plays games for them that's 
that's important too. And I wanted to touch on that uh, because I think I think people need to understand, like you said, Baker has zero leverage in this. Um, I mean, he, I guess he could show up to camp and be a pain, but if the Browns want him to play, like they have every bit of control over this situation because all they have to do is say, we're not going to excuse you from training camp. And then they can start finding him every single day. It's $40,000 a day. And I was actually looking through the CBA today for players on their fifth year option. If they miss preseason games for an unexcused absence, they get fined a game check. So for Baker, that would be like a million dollars, but more than a million dollars. So um, the Browns have control where if they sat down in a meeting room and said, you know what, we're just going to have to suck it up and have Baker play. Then Baker's got to show up and play. He doesn't really have much choice in the matter. Um, so I guess that's an interesting part of all this. Let's get into that, like why it would be such a small chance of it happening. Um, Mary Kay, what, what, I mean, like when, when everybody on Twitter gets mad, when national media talks about this, like, oh, maybe Baker should play for the Browns. Why is it such an unrealistic thing? Well, there, there have been a lot of bridges burned in this situation. <laughs> we can go, we can go back to, to last season when uh, Baker twice basically called out Kevin Stefanski for play calling issues and criticized him after games. Uh, I do know for a fact that Baker Mayfield did not like the way that he was used. Uh, He was unhappy from October on. Uh, He was just not happy with the way things went down. Uh, And as I wrote uh, after the season, that if things didn't change to his satisfaction, that he and his camp would ask to be traded. Um, And ultimately that did happen. I mean, there were other, extenuating circumstances, of course, but um, it's, there's just too many things have gone on. And then the day that he did ask to be traded on March 17th, uh, he gave that quote to Adam Schefter, where he said, uh, the relationship is beyond repair. And I believe that. I believe the, the relationship is almost too damaged to let him take another snap for this football team again. I mean, when he had an opportunity to come back here and be the starter for the Cleveland Browns in 2022. Deshaun Watson had theoretically said, I don't want you, Cleveland Browns. And Baker was the starter. He said, no, I, I want out of here. So I, I don't think any of those things help. I don't think uh, the relationship with Kevin Stefanski helps. I just think too much has, has gone on. And I do think it's mutual. And I actually think, and this is another key part, I think that they probably believe they can get just as much bang for their buck out of Jacoby Brissett as they can from Baker Mayfield. And, and Ashley, you were there as this thing was falling apart and you all those post-game pressers and watching Baker on the field. That, that Baltimore game, the first Baltimore game still stands out to me as like the moment, right? Like when they couldn't win that game with four turnovers, it's like, okay, this – this feels like it's barreling towards it's towards it being over. That was the first time I really kind of truly felt like that. So kind of with all of that history, are, do you kind of agree? Like it would just be too difficult to bring him back. Yeah. And I mean, to build off of what you're saying for me, it's, it's that Baltimore game. It's the lions game, which they won, but that was when Baker refused to talk to media post game. Um, and then it was the Packers game when he threw the four, interceptions where like maybe the Baltimore game was kind of the start of that but then by the Packers game and the Steelers game it's like the wheels you just felt like they were totally falling off and I'll bring up what Dan said after the Steelers game when he said this might be the last time we've heard from Baker Mayfield in a Browns media setting and 
as of right now, that ended up being correct, I believe. So um, I, I just think, like Mary Kay said, overall, too much has happened. And knowing Baker Mayfield, like he is an athlete who takes things, I think, very personally. And sometimes that helps him. That's given him kind of his chip on that shoulder and the attitude that we've seen when he's at his most successful. But sometimes that also kind of hurts him. And I think we saw it hurt him towards the end of last season and um, the way he was letting things, especially on social media and things like that, get to him. And uh, I, I just think overall too much has kind of transpired. I'm sure he has a lot of feelings, obviously, uh, about the Browns going out and acquiring Deshaun Watson. And I'm sure he has a lot of feelings about Deshaun Watson's off the field legal issues as well and, and why they were willing to take all of that on when he was still on the roster. So I think there is so much that is probably in his, on his side of things, just, and then that's not even bringing up like Mary Kay laid out all of the issues that maybe he was creating himself internally in this organization that you look back in hindsight and you're like, all this wrapped together is just a lot for any team and any quarterback to have to deal with. Okay. Let's take a break. And then when we come back, we're just going to throw reality completely out the window and talk, continue talking more about Baker Mayfield. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Um, I'm going to ask you guys a question about Baker here. Uh, Just throwing everything out the window, all the reality, everything we know, that little percentage chance. But Mary Kay, make it that much more difficult here for me to to ask that question. What other reasons are there for, for this to not happen? Well, there's a set of intangible reasons that we really haven't Uh, discussed very much. And that is the fact that uh, Baker Mayfield is who he is. He has loyalties on this team. He has allegiances on this team. And if you bring him back and have him as the starter, and yet you have your $230 million man waiting in the wings, either to come back midway through the season or to come back next season, uh, things can become a jumbled mess by the time Deshaun Watson gets back in there. Deshaun Watson has worked very hard uh, to endear himself to his teammates. He took them to the Bahamas. He's doing other things. He gets these guys together. He's establishing himself as a leader who's all in for this football team. Well, we've talked to a lot of players since in, in this spring, and so many of them have offered up, Baker's my guy, Baker's my guy, Baker's my guy. We've heard that from numerous players. So if you throw him back in there, uh, it can become difficult. It's like almost like children in a divorce. And it can be an emotional drain on, on people, on these players, to have to straddle that line and to walk that line and to, you know, to try to be all in with Baker. And then all of a sudden, they are all have to be all in, in with Deshaun again. And they're answering all these questions. You've got Nick Chubb, who was close to him. Joel Batonio was close to him. Wyatt Teller. Uh, So, and then conversely, you've got some guys on the defensive side of the ball who probably really weren't in uh, Baker Mayfield's corner. And, uh, and so I I just think for those reasons, it's, it's really not worth going backwards here. Okay. So that being said, (laughs) Mm -hmm. let's, let's go backwards. I guess, so this is a league of convenience, right? The NFL is a league of what have you done for me lately? Obviously, that's part of why Baker is not here anymore. Um, But it's also a league of convenience. Like, hey, we need you and you need us. Does does that have any pull? You know, Mary Kay, after all that you just said, does that have any pull in this situation where 
there could be some scenario that 0.001% chance where the Browns do sit down and realize like, Hey, we don't like it, but we need you Baker. And Baker says, I don't like it either, but I need you guys. And as awkward and bizarre as it would be to have a quarterback come in and maybe potentially play well, I, I mean, I don't know how he would look, but potentially play well and then right off into free agency. So somebody else can take over. I mean, does that become a factor at some point? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, there are some examples even currently in the league uh, with things that we never thought would happen that ultimately happened. I mean, we're talking about the GOAT here, but even Tom Brady, I mean, look what happened. He retired and it didn't seem really possible that he was going to go back to the Bucks. And then the earth moved and he's back with the Bucks. And Bruce Arians is out as head coach. I mean, anything can happen. There were times where it seemed like Aaron Rodgers, that was it. He was going to be done in Green Bay. He didn't like the way things were going on. Uh, He did not like the fact that they drafted a a quarterback. Uh, And lo and behold, he's happy. He's on board. Um, So, I mean, even Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo uh, in San Francisco, they... um, you know, they went out and they drafted, traded up to draft Trey Lance. And it just didn't seem like he was long for that team. And then there he is starting for them and winning games for them. So all kinds of things happen that are crazy in this league. And sometimes you do have to set aside your egos or your bad blood or whatever it is. And you just have to come together and go out and and make something happen so and and sometimes other people get involved right i mean let's say kevin stefanski and andrew barry are completely 100 done with with baker mayfield well that should mean theoretically that they're done that he's done with them and vice versa but what if other people in the organization chime in and have something to say about this and they get into a group think situation and they say look hey we're already paying him $18.86 million. So many of our fans still have his jerseys. So many people still love him. He was hurt. I mean, anything anything can happen in the NFL, in the crazy world of the NFL. So can't rule it out, but still very <laughs> highly unlikely. Yeah, I mean, Ashley, if, if the Browns are sitting there at like, now obviously this would mean that they haven't traded Baker yet, which was all, just a whole nother disaster of a discussion for to this point but if they're sitting there like three and five and Jacoby Brissett just isn't getting the job done I would have to imagine there would have to be some discussion about like you know Baker's still on the roster maybe he could win us a a couple of games maybe he's a slight upgrade at quarterback at least over this guy there like at some point that discussion would start or at least it would have to start I would think Yeah, I was going to say you would think, right? And like, I'm on record as on this podcast of saying why I think this would make sense for everyone while like acknowledging it's just so, so, so unlikely at this point. Um, But to Mary Kay's point, like the Browns have already been involved in one of these like improbable things (laughs) this year, right? Like Deshaun Watson wasn't coming here until he was two days later. So that's why I'm just like, like I said, you know, his statement, it's like this little sliver of like possibility that might still be lingering out there. That's highly, highly, highly improbable, unlikely, whatever adjective you want to assign to it. But I think like at the end of the day, when you're talking about winning games, if he's still there and you're paying him money, like, 
I, th- I think it's a conversation like you're saying, Dan, that that would have to happen because we all know how this roster is built. This roster is built to win now. Um, I think that the common like thinking right now is if Deshaun Watson's not able to play this year because he's suspended, that this year is just the wash. But would they actually just like totally give up or would they be willing to kind of have some of these out of the box, quote unquote, weird conversations if Baker Mayfield was still here? And I, I think that's the key phrase is the out, you know, the out of the box thing. Like, so some of the examples I think of we're talking about, like, you know, Tom Brady, there was always tension there in New England towards the end, right? But that was also Tom Brady. Like Baker Mayfield is not Tom Brady. Baker Mayfield's not Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't want to put him in that class. But we've seen situations where, like, not everybody has to get along. Not everybody has to be best friends. People can be sick of each other and just not like each other. And sometimes you still have to go play. I mean, the 49ers drafted Jimmy Garoppolo's replacement. Like, they went all in to draft his replacement. And guess what? Jimmy Garoppolo had to start for a season. He took him to the NFC Championship game, and now he's done there. Now, I'm not saying that's what has to happen with Baker. That's what's going to happen with Baker. But I do think that's where this idea comes from of, like, if Jacoby Brissett's not getting it done, or if you start to wonder if he can get it done, and Baker is still on your roster, you kind of owe it to a lot of these players and, and this team and this fan base to at least try it, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's awkward. And, and even if everybody just has to kind of suck it up and do it for a year. Yeah. Again, I mean, I've, I've seen, uh, I've seen stranger things and um, I mean, you know, I don't think it would shock any of us if, if something like that happened, but um, I really do kind of think he's going to be gone by then. Yeah. I, I really do think so. I think that it's, it's not going to get to that point. Um, I don't think it's, I don't know. I just don't think we're going to be looking at Baker Mayfield in October and wondering what the heck <laughs> is going to be happening with him. That's just my gut feeling on that. Um, you know, I still think there is a good chance, as I wrote last week, that that he could end up in Carolina. And, um, you know, there I've seen other reports that the Seahawks are still very high on him, although some of the people that I've talked to have said that they still don't want to trade for him. They don't want to pay that money. And if he gets cut, they'll be happy to sign him, but they do not want to make that trade. We'll see. The more you look at tape of Drew Locke, Geno Smith, Sam Darnold, and Matt Corral, I mean, right? I mean, the more you look at your, your mini camp and your spring tape, that could change things. And there are um, inflection points throughout this process, and mini camp was one of them. You know, they everybody wanted to get this Baker Mayfield trade done by mandatory minicamp June 14th. When that didn't happen, like if it doesn't happen draft weekend, then you revisit it later. When it doesn't happen minicamp week, you revisit it later. Now they're gearing up for training camp. So it, it doesn't have to be done within the next 48 hours, but certainly they would want this to be done by July 27th. Yeah, and we are in a... You know, we're definitely entering into the. It doesn't feel like it with the Browns because this Deshaun Watson thing is hanging over everyone. But like, we are entering into a dead period when mm-hmm. there's just not a lot of activity, and these guys, you know, a lot of these GMs like don't want to be bothered. Now, that doesn't mean their phones are off and that they wouldn't make a deal. But you know, this is sort of when it slows down. 
and teams are focused on, like you said, Mary Kay, getting ready for training camp, getting those rosters ready for training camp. Once we kind of mm-hmm. get into July, it's like it's, there's kind of some radio silence there, and it's it's a lot harder to get that deal done. Um, but I'm with you. Like this just speaks to I think they need to get this done as soon as they possibly can because what you don't want is you don't want to be in October and you don't want to be sitting there at three and five, and all of a sudden, like legitimately we've got to ask questions of Kevin Stefanski, like, Hey, Baker's still on the roster. Why, why not give him a shot? You know, that's mm-hmm. not a legitimate question now, but it would, there would come a certain point in the season if he's still on the roster where, where it might become a legitimate question. And I think they need to really, really make sure that they avoid that. Mm-hmm. And there's another, there's another thing too. And let me know what you guys think about this, but um, Jacoby Brissett is sort of a game manager type of player. He's not going to give you the flashy plays that you're going to get from Deshaun Watson. Uh, he He's not even going to give you perhaps some of the things that you could get from Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield uh, does when he's on, and who knows who he's going to be this year when he's recovered from his surgery. Um, but Jacoby Brissett is a game manager. So I wonder, and he doesn't make a ton of mistakes, and he doesn't turn the ball over a ton. And I think they had to or felt they had to be careful with Baker Mayfield, especially last year. It seemed like they called the games so that he wasn't going to throw interceptions. And when they did open it up at certain times, he did throw the interceptions. So I don't know if he's just got something in his head. Uh, You know, the last two teams that played him, as we've talked about so many times, they had answers for him. They knew how to defend him. And they might be seeing some things on tape that have led them to believe that they think that Jacoby Brissett uh, would be a better game manager for them to a better functional bridge to Deshaun Watson than Baker Mayfield would be just from a purely football game management game management standpoint. Yeah, that's what's so interesting to me, I think, because I think when they went out and built this quarterback room, they picked up Jacoby Brissett and Josh Dobbs with some intentionality. Like, they knew that those guys kind of have similar skill sets in terms of how they want this offense to look and, you know, the personnel packages they want to run out there with. Um, And I think in their minds, they can maybe, even if Deshaun Watson's not out there uh, with Jacoby Brissett, especially you can maybe get other guys a jump start on those things. And and this is how it's going to be now. And there's going to be less 13 personnel, like all these things we've been theorizing. Right. Um, and with Baker, I like you're saying, Mary Kay, I just I don't think they can run this kind of new look offense that we are anticipating. And it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the shoulder injury. Obviously, that was a separate issue. But I think time and time again, when we've talked about Baker and and some of the areas we think he needs to improve on. Like for me, what what always stands out is the game processing. And like you're saying, have defenses just figured out how to kind of take away some of those rollouts and things where he was so successful in the earlier stages of his career. So until he learns how to maybe manage those things, like I don't know how much the injury really impacted him that, you know, at the end of the day last season compared to some of those other things. It's really hard, but I think overall that maybe if you were to throw him out there, it does hinder you in this newer kind of offensive looks you want to throw out there. And and the game manager part's important because like if Baker Mayfield doesn't throw four interceptions, you beat Green Bay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so maybe Jacoby's not going to be as spectacular as Baker can be when he's in those moments where we've seen kind of the best of Baker. But 
he's also not going to be the worst of Baker, which was like that Green Bay game where I think there was a legitimate case to be made in that game to put Case Keenum in because you just needed to put somebody in who wasn't going to throw the ball to the other team, which is why this discussion is so like at, at some point we are talking about Baker Mayfield and we just don't know, is he more the guy at the end of 2020 or more the guy in 2021 or just smack in the middle. And maybe, you know, if it's smack in the middle or the guy from 2021, then it doesn't really matter. And for me, it's like what I keep coming back to if I'm the Browns, like, and I've said this before, I don't think they necessarily need Jacoby Brissett to go out there and win them any games. They just need him to not actively be losing them games and kind of rely on all these other pieces, especially the defense, their run game, their offensive line to kind of get the job done without Deshaun Watson. And, and I think that's a big, big part of it too. Like maybe 2020 Baker Mayfield is actively winning you some games, but it's still a pretty big gamble after last season, I think. And he doesn't come with all the distractions and the baggage. I mean, he just doesn't bring all of that. And again, we don't know what Jacoby Brissett is going to be as the starting quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. He probably, I don't think he's ever played on a roster quite this good. I mean, the Colts roster was pretty good when he, when he was starting games for the Colts, but this is a Super Bowl caliber roster. It, as Ashley just said, it doesn't require necessarily a superstar quarterback to go out and win. Now it probably would uh, require that to win a Super Bowl for you, but to get through a lot of the, these games this season, especially some of those first games on the schedule, except for, you know, I mean, if Baker Mayfield is in Carolina, I mean, that, that game, I think Jacoby versus Baker, I think that will have some intrigue to it because Baker's going to be, you know, really wanting to prove something there. What, what um, we all expected, right? <laughs> yes. Of I'm just course. thinking of Twitter in week one if this happens, and I'm I'm just going to delete it from my phone. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to hear any of this. Baker to Richard. Baker, Baker to, we're going to see uh, the uh, paparazzi in the uh, in the end zone. David and Joku might just out of habit run out and like start snapping photos before he realizes like, oh wait, 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 no, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, for the most part, those first four games are pretty easy. And the Browns should win those games. And so, you know, Jacoby Brissett, you know, maybe he doesn't beat Tom Brady, his former teammate. You know, maybe he doesn't go out and beat Aaron Rodgers this year. I mean, they're not they're not playing Aaron Rodgers this year unless they go to the Super Bowl. Um, but I mean, you know, maybe he doesn't necessarily beat those kind of guys, Josh Allen. But he, he should be able to win some games with this defense. I mean, I think this we've talked about this. This is going to be a really good defense this year, a really good opportunistic defense. They're going to make it hard for the other team to score like they did last year, but even better this year. And so you might not need to score 35 points a game either to win the game. So I think right now when they put it all into the hopper, I still think if they had to pick between those two guys, for all these reasons we've talked about, I think they'd still go with Jacoby. Yeah, I think that's kind of like with Jacoby or Baker, you're kind of the same team. You're mm-hmm. and, and you have a chance to be one of the seven best teams in the AFC, right? Which, I mean, that seventh spot isn't always, mm-hmm. that's not always the best team. I mean, Pittsburgh made it in this year as the seventh seed. You know, you're, you're a seven to 10 win team, depending on how things break with either mm-hmm. of those guys. Quarterback, you're not going to beat, you're not going to run the gauntlet of Burrow, um, Herbert, Mahomes, Allen, Russ Wilson, like, like you're not going to run that gauntlet and, and win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. 
but you know that that's in in that instance the blame isn't on who's playing quarterback the blame is on the fact that you traded for a quarterback who got suspended for a full season and and that's just a completely different discussion yeah and i think uh you know the other the other thing to consider here is and this is a whole another podcast and i know this is about mostly about baker and, and what happened with him today but i mean maybe if deshaun is suspended for the year which of course we know for sure that that's what the NFL wants. Um, you know, in the event that that happens and that's the final word, you know, maybe they do put their heads together and talk about some other alternatives and, and really try to figure out, is there somebody else out there? You bring somebody in with the idea that unless it was a Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, maybe you bring somebody else in with the notion that, all right, well, let's, let's see how they look, you know, let's see how they look in camp and let's see how it goes. Um, or, or you do go out and get somebody else that you think could be an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett. So a lot of things can happen once the word comes down. And of course we are expecting that word to come down sometime soon ish. Uh, like I said, off the top, the disciplinary hearing, hap- hearing happening today and probably into Wednesday. And then uh, we just don't know how long, you know, Sue L. Robinson has never heard one of these. So we don't know how long she's going to take to issue this decision, if she's going to turn it around quick or if she's going to take her time. Um, There's just no idea. And then, of course, there's the appeal process. Mary Kay, I did want to ask you one thing Mm -hmm. about that, Um, just real quick. Mm -hmm. So the appeal process goes through Roger Goodell. Right. So is there a chance that Sue L. Robinson, and maybe you just don't know the answer to this because this is also murky, that she could say 10 games, but then the appeal would go to Roger Goodell and he could still say a year. Yes, that could absolutely happen. So basically what happens is as long as Sue L Robinson imposes some kind of a fine or a suspension and determines and establishes that, that he has violated the personal conduct policy, whatever it is, um, if they appeal it, then, and it goes to Roger Goodell, he can do whatever he wants with it. He could go uh, to an indefinite suspension for a minimum of a year. He could absolutely do that. She could say six games and he could say a year um, if they if they did that. Now, if she said eight games, they might not appeal it because they would be running the risk of a year when they were just given eight games. So if she comes down with eight, that might be it. They might say, we'll take it. I mean, he's not losing from a financial standpoint. He's hardly losing anything. In that case, he's losing $57,500 per game. For him, that's not that much for eight games. Um, So much less than than it would have been if they had structured his contract differently. so yeah, if, if she says six to eight games or something like that, that, that could be the end of it right there. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. See, there, yeah. you just heard live on the podcast. That was basically something I should have just texted to Mary Kay, but I just asked her live on the podcast. Well, a lot of people have these questions. <laughs> yeah. So if either of you guys have policy questions like that, I mean, I'm trying to figure it all out as we go along and they revise the policy. So everything's different. And here's another thing that I've learned about the policy. 
even though you read it over 25,000 times and you're pretty sure that you understand what it's saying, they can change it and do whatever they want. I mean, right now, there's something that has been left nebulous in the policy, purposely, I believe, and that is the distinction between an indefinite suspension and banishment from the league with a chance to apply for reinstatement. And I'm not sure if people are getting this confused right now. And what the league is really asking for is banishment for at least a year, which is what indefinite suspension used to be. The definition of banishment now is what indefinite suspension for at least a year used to be. You're out of the league and you have to apply for reinstatement. Now there's two different things. And I have asked probably 10 different people if in the indefinite suspension has to be for a year like it used to be. And if it requires applying for reinstatement like it used to, I mean, it doesn't say it. It, it does not say that in, in the policy. So it's a little different. And I think it's, I think it's that way. It's left open for interpretation. And so we don't know at this point if Deshaun Watson's contract will toll to next season and thereby they will still have him for five years. I I asked 10 people that yesterday. I emailed no fewer than 10 people to say, okay, if he gets indefinite for a minimum of a year, is the contract toll? Nobody can answer that or nobody will answer that for me. And I think it's because they have wiggle room that they can negotiate those kinds of things. You give us a little bit of this, we'll we'll give you a little bit of that. So some of that is happening as well. And as far as the appeal process goes, it, as weird as this sounds, it sounds like the NFL can appeal. Yeah. And yes. Roger Goodell would hear that would hear that appeal. In other words, this this doesn't seem like it's going to go great for the Browns. Well, the one the one question I wanted to ask Mary Kay, and it's an idea that I've seen floating out there, and I'm wondering how, I guess, viable we think it is, is this idea that, and judges in general, I think, can kind of be unpredictable in how they're going to rule, right? Like, they're they're neutral parties, and like you said, Dan Sewell, Robinson hasn't heard one of these before, so there's, like, no real precedent to look back on and be like, oh, she's probably going to rule a certain way, but this idea that, you know, potentially, if she does make a ruling if she would want to hold off on making a ruling or on issuing a punishment at all, because there are ongoing civil cases and would it in theory, then would her ruling impact those? And she's trying to avoid, you know, being prejudicial. Like it's an idea I've seen floated around that seems kind of far-fetched, but, but I'm just wondering if it, if it is and how far-fetched we think it actually might be. Well, when you once you get to this point, I mean, a ruling, she's going to have to hand down a ruling. You get to this point, you have the hearing, you're, the investi- investigation is wrapped up. Uh, she will issue some kind of a discipline. Uh, but the indefinite suspension, and we've been talking about this for a long time. You guys know I brought up indefinite suspension mm-hmm. way, way, way back before we pretty much heard anybody saying indefinite suspension. Um, so... Um, that has within it built in the opportunity to see how things go, to see what unfolds, to see if any more cases are filed. We don't even know right now if Tony Busby is going to file those two other cases. Now, maybe as part of the settlements, maybe 
it was, hey, that's it. You're not going to file any more cases. Um, but then he came out and joined the Houston Texans as a defendant in the suits for one of the plaintiffs, which I didn't even know. I didn't know if that was going to happen. So that leads me to believe maybe he's got other things up his sleeve or maybe somebody else does. You know, we just don't know if, if Busby refuses to take some of these cases and some of these uh, plaintiffs or accusers really want to go forward. Maybe they find another attorney. Right. I mean, he's not the only attorney that's allowed to handle one of these suits. So um, the indefinite suspension gives them time to breathe. And I think that's what they're really going to that's what that's what they want to happen. And and I, I think they're going to they're going to fight for it. And it's going to be hard to have it be anything other than that right now. Okay, you came here for a Baker Mayfield discussion. You got an FAQ on the personal conduct <laughs> policy and, and the hearing that's happening. I mean, it's all like it's all sort of intertwined, right? And uh, this is this is covering the Browns in the summer of 2022 as we await uh, word on what will happen with Deshaun Watson. So, I, like I said, I mentioned this off the top. Um, our schedule we're, we're going to get you your your daily podcast. The schedule it might they might hit at different times um, as we record them because I don't want. I don't want to record a podcast for 40 minutes and have it get old. So uh, we'll be putting them up kind of as we record them. And then when news breaks, we'll hop on Zoom when we're done with all of our writing and we'll do an emergency podcast to react to it. So uh, just make sure you subscribe to the Orange Brown Talk podcast wherever you listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, for Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. 